Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get into some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. It's been a while, you know, we've all been so busy doing our various disparate things uh, away yeah. from from this here, our podcasting studio that totally exists and is not three separate rooms. No, it's one place. One place, well, yep. Right, right now we're recording separately because I'm somewhere, Justin is somewhere, and then Colin is somewhere else as I'm well. deep underground. <laughs> Yeah, we we know we've been away for a while, listeners, dear listeners at home, folks at home. But we've been busy. We've been oh so busy. You what know, were you doing? Busy. How busy were you, Justin? Well, you know, it's just it's we're working our way back to that first Russian defensive line on the East Ukraine. We just took back this, you know, this this major town that I can't pronounce the name of, and uh, you know, I just I can't tell I can't tell you anymore, or else Ukrainian intelligence will shoot me. But uh. You know, you know, I, 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 I'm busy. I, I get it. I was, I've been in a pretty tense situation the past few months. You know, I've been, I've been down on the, uh, the umbral levels of Dulce base, uh, uh, bridging an accord between the, uh, Israeli Likud run greys and their tall white masters, uh, and the, uh, the Iranian Draco reptilians. It's been pretty contentious, but I think we're, uh, I think we're making some real, uh, some real ground. Uh, Tyler, what have you been up to, buddy? Oh, I've just been going to the Bryan, Texas federal women's camp every day to laugh in Elizabeth Holmes' face. You know what? That's good. Somebody needs to. I just, what are you just stacking extra big rocks in front of her? Yeah. I mean, when she got sentenced, I was, you guys didn't see the picture of her perp walk into the fucking facility? I was there with birthday balloons. It was my birthday. <laughs> Tyler stayed in there. <laughs> wow. It's birthday birthday balloons for every year that she's going to be in prison because she's going to need them for a while. Eleven of them. Yeah. 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 Good old. But she's she's a mother. She's a mother. You have to remember she's well, a mother. Well, I'm just I'm just yeah, glad well, that they fucking, fucking put that vampire in the sun. Eagle two can fucking handle the kid. Maybe I don't know. I you know how many you know to. how many black and brown mothers and indigenous mothers have to give birth uh with no medical assistance on the floor of a prison cell i'm sure elizabeth holmes will be fine yeah uh you know it's funny that you mentioned their radio call signs we recently got another guy uh at work who has a name very similar to mine his name is dustin hmm. and uh so i have made my radio call sign eagle one stop <laughs> and and my supervisor makes people call me <laughs> makes people call me eagle one over the radio <laughs> It's Your supervisor awesome. enforces it? Yes! 
You know what? That's way better than healthcare. <laughs> well, I get both, so. You get dental? Yes. Oh, okay, well, never mind that. Like, like, like pretty good <laughs> dental, actually. Pretty good dental, okay. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry. My name is Justin St. Peter, and I, myself, am here as a human being to impart upon you facts and knowledge and entertainment with my mouth to your ears, to my left. It's uh, Colin Stanley. I'm kind of like the intergalactic Jared Kushner, to my left. Uh, my name's Tyler, and I I'm just chilling today. I mean, it's, it's weird. I'm not like, I didn't have to write an episode. I didn't have to fucking rack my brain and slam my head into the goddamn table for three hours. It's pretty cool. Only two, man. Only, Only two. two. Cutting back. Cut, cut. It's, you know, down to half a pack a day, you know. It's... Anyways, so... Half um... a pack of lighters, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Smoking uh... all those lighters. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> butane. Uh... We require butane for our silicone-based nervous systems. Well, I don't know about butane, but yeah. uh, in the mid-century, the U.S. government sure did need a whole lot of some other hazardous material that we're going to uh, talk about today. Bye. That's right. That's It's me. I'm Colin. And I did today's episode. It's my fault. Uh, <laughs> oh, you, you poisoned all those people with radiation? I killed John Wayne. Colin's the one who poisoned the, the, the water around Camp Lejeune. <laughs> I call me about your mesothelial claims. Mm, uh, about your mesothelium. No, so let's we're gonna we're actually gonna talk about you know uh, uh I don't the the fucking the the one the Peaky Blinders man he did the movie with the. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when Scarecrow? I'm sorry, that's, that's how you're gonna reference. Do you remember when Scarecrow put on a b different kind of hat and he was older? And remember when he got rid of all that hay? Remember, ugh, God damn, I can't even think. Remember when he made like the sun, but small and on the planet? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a big deal at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Not yeah, gonna yeah. lie, Robert Downey Jr. fucking killed it in that movie. Robert Downey Jr. was in that movie. I'm sorry, every fucking time Oppenheimer comes out or comes up in conversation I found out a new sol I didn't know that Kenneth Branagh was in that movie as Niels Bohr why yeah. are you paying for Kenneth Branagh to pay Niels Bohr it's Christopher Nolan these people are like begging to be in his movie yeah Florence Pugh is also in it you get to see her tits what nice yeah. Sorry, guys, we have to reconvene the recording. Yeah, we're going to have to record tomorrow. I got to go. I got to go. I'm sorry. You got to watch a three-hour movie for... Yes. For, for five seconds of tits, absolutely. That's hey. a, it's a, hey, 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 on the hey, screen hey, hey, for hey, hey. Quite, a, quite a bit of time, actually. If, if you... I also believe Albert Einstein's in the movie, yes. and the theory of relativity states that the greater the, the gravity of a given object uh, affects the, uh, the density of the surrounding space-time. That said, if her tits are fat enough... It'll be longer than a few seconds in yeah. my mind. I do got to say, though, the best part about that movie was when Josh Peck, you know, saw the nuclear explosion go off. And, and he, he went, squinted his eyes and said, Megan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or when. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. It's, it's anyway, terrible. today's today's episode is about um, it's about a lot of things. It's about hubris. It's about the John Birch Society. It's about radioactive material. And it's about the Manhattan Project, so let's get into it. Um, 
Uh, as some of you may know, uh, our intrepid listeners, people who like history, people who like uh, the more morbid history, probably have a pretty firm grasp of the Manhattan Project, so we're not going to go too much into it. There's lots of podcasts and other resources to cover it. Um, basically, though, um, the radioactive material that was necessary to fuel the bombs we were making with Manhattan Project had to come from somewhere and had to be refined somewhere because the isotopes of these radioactive materials that we needed were often not naturally occurring in great quantities. Yeah. You know, because they're highly unstable and volatile. Yeah. Was uh, there radium-231? Uh, yes. And then and also... there had to be a whole lot of it because guess what? They hadn't figured out that whole refining process yet. No, so you a need a literal just pile. to waste. Yeah. Yes. So um, one of the locations that they selected to do this refining at um, was an area in southeast Washington um, that's called Hanford. H-A-N-F-O-R-D. Now, Hanford... Uh, the forgotten corner of Washington State. Um, the I, part? I would I would disagree um, because it's the you know ancestral lands of multiple indigenous groups. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, that's kind of part of the problem. So, um, in the early 1940s, when the Manhattan Project uh, was kicking off, um, they basically seized a bunch of land in southeast uh, Oregon, or excuse me, southeast Washington. Uh, including uh, the area that was known as the town of Hanford. Um, they literally gave people a 90-day notice to uh, pack up all their worldly possessions and evacuate. Um, they also um, basically welched on uh, three different uh, treaties and agreements with local native peoples and indigenous groups uh, who had, um, you know, sovereign claim and legal ownership of areas of the land, including um, hunting and fishing access to the Columbia River, um, which was the major waterway that ran through there out to the Pacific Ocean. Colin, but um, you're forgetting sovereign claims don't count when you're not white. You're right. No, you're right. You got me. You got me there. Uh, Jesus, Tyler. <laughs> um, Am I wrong? So, no, you're not. Uh, so... Um, the federal government, I mean, yeah, with the federal government's involved, uh, for sure. Um, so what ends up happening here, right, is the people who are constructing this hand, what becomes known as the Hanford site, this refinery for radioactive material, they don't, most of the people who, who are constructing this place, um, don't know what it's for. These people are commissioned by DuPont, uh, a company you may know well, a company that is full of uh, Nazi sympathizers. In fact, the CEO at the time of the construction of this site um, was a Nazi sympathizer. And only a few years prior, uh, DuPont had been uh, charged uh, in the Trading with the Enemies uh, Act for all the business it was doing in its holdings in the Third Reich because of how intimately involved DuPont was uh, with nazi business and nazi industry and providing materials and money to them uh dupont uh the dupont family also essentially founded the state of delaware and maintains a firm power base there to this day in mm -hmm. fact um the son of the current president uh beau biden who was the attorney uh, attorney general of delaware um actually uh allowed 
a, a DuPont uh, heir to be um, given a sweetheart deal after molesting his four-year-old daughter. Uh, he saw no jail time, and he got, like, I want to say six to six to 18 months probation. It was something ridiculous. Um, it basically got off scot-free, even though he had the power to do otherwise, because the Bidens, much like any corporate interest, there's a reason every corporation that wants um, some more lenient uh, tax uh, laws applied to them files in Delaware, incorporates in Delaware, it has a P.O. box, if not an office in Delaware, specifically for that legal uh, loophole, the DuPonts have influenced a lot of the modern American landscape. So it's not surprising to know that they were involved in sending uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of workers to their deaths. This will not be the, first, the last time we talk about the DuPont company, I am absolutely certain. They will be coming back up several times in several oh, other yeah. series. They're around. They're around. They're around and highly nefarious. They're like uh, they're like the Riddler. The Riddler was French and a Nazi. <laughs> Sorry, I just that's that's an interesting Batman comic. <laughs> the French Riddler Nazi. <laughs> The, like, Vichy, I, the Vichy Riddler? The Vichy Riddler, not like, I need to see that. Uh, ooh, that would be fun. D like, DC, uh, give like, me an Elseworlds comic. <laughs> French Resistance Batman. It's just, it's just Bruce Wayne and he puts on the fucking mustache. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, wee oui. <laughs> oui, fuzzy, I shall become the baguette. Alright, so, um, obviously... With workers not understanding what they were building, a lot of them uh, were harmed by the radioactive. Excuse me. They're... Let me just get that out. A lot of workers were harmed by the radioactive material that was being brought into the site. Um, but also, the people who were hurt there were the people um, working in the refinery itself after construction. These people were being exposed to radioactive material on a daily basis, often without full understanding of what was happening during the quote-unquote classified nature of the Manhattan Project. Many workers were inhaling radioactive fumes from chemical reactions that would accumulate within their workspaces uh, that did not have proper ventilation and who were not provided with any, if uh, like even close to proper, safety equipment. Oftentimes, they were handling things with their bare hands in uh, unshielded areas. Um, so, needless to say, a lot of these individual workers, um, within a few years after the war, uh, began to get sick, began to get injured, and began to die. Yeah, this was... I mean, it was not before the concept of personal protection equipment, but it, it was before the idea of, like personal protection from environmental factors was truly taken seriously on a mass scale and the like the manhattan project and these things are why we now have to take such huge or i should say why we are supposed to take such huge steps to make sure that people are prepared correctly for any hazardous environment they might be in and that here's is so what, rarely done and i'm and i would love to agree with you but unfortunately reality does not back up that things got better at oh, all. Oh no, I said they were supposed to. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so, um, 
Because, it, yeah, it's we'll, we'll get there. Uh, so, basically, um, as people with, you know, brains who would, uh, even public school up to, like, in ninth grade, probably, ninth grade, I would say, freshman year, you probably have an understanding of what radiation is, right? It's, we've talked about it on other episodes, so I won't go into, like, super granular detail, but basically, you know, it's like if, you know, an, uh, a, a molecule or an atom was shooting bullets at you at a subatomic level and those bullets because of how small they were could not only disrupt cells but could also destroy your dna and damage the way um that your body repairs itself and damage and the way and just totally change it <laughs> just be like hey bitch you thought you had an arm here guess what goo all goo. goo. It's all, Oops, all goo. goo. Oops, all tumors. <laughs> just just dumping out a box of, of Captain Crunch. Ooh, that's uh that's a real that the crunch in this box is not as nice. Yeah, that's the oops all that's tumors. Not pleasant. It's little that pieces of bone. It might taste like peanut butter. I've heard sometimes that uh the uh that a degraded liver may smear like peanut butter. Mm. That is, that's my understanding from the accounts that I've read. You read a lot of accounts of cancerous livers? Well, down here in Dulce Base, the the reptilians and the, they have a lot. They have a varied uh, preference. Have you tried the liver butter? So, when these <laughs> workers would come home to their families. Um, because they were living in, uh, you know, at first they were living in an area called the Columbia Work Camp. Um, or, sorry, excuse me, Camp Columbia, which was a camp set up uh, along the Columbia River uh, near um, what is now Richland, Washington. Um, and then eventually they would be settled into um, what became Richland, Washington. But... Uh, Hanford, as it existed, basically disappeared. Hanford still exists today, but the people that filtered back into it um, were not the same. They were highly irradiated. Um, they're because of the fact that the contractors that were hired by the federal government um, weren't very interested in worker safety, and because the Department of Energy wasn't very interested in regulating its contractors these people were not being decontaminated properly so they were bringing radiation home they were irradiating their families they were re irradiating their homes they were irradiating a lot of times um the local like agriculture like many um crops would go fallow or come up wrong dad or... why do you why do you smell like cigarette smoke and the Maillard reaction exactly yeah <laughs> see you know what i will say is after the war uh hansen the the people that came back they weren't the same but i will tell you they didn't have to pay a whole lot for lights at night so that's the thing flowed. is that um after world war ii you would expect the hanford site to wind down production right um, no, because that, that's when the Korean War started. So we started yeah. actually ramping up uh, nuclear production until Hanford, the Hanford site alone was able to produce enough nuclear uh, and radioactive, excuse me, enough enough radioactive material to supply every one of our nuclear warheads. 
Um, it was it was basically even though it was not the only refinery that we used, it was the only necessary refinery based on output. Um, people continued to get sick. People continued um, to get hurt and to die. Um, and for a long time, nothing happened. Nothing came of it. And that was largely because there wasn't a lot of protections for workers um, in this area. They had used contractors on purpose to avoid uh, union labor and that there was some union labor involved, but largely um, not so much. Uh, up until the, uh, the mid-century um, when they begin to shut down Hanford's site. Now, they decommission um, the site for plutonium production in about 1963. That's that's when they they basically make the decision, and by um, 19, I believe 68, they had almost entirely shut down um, the site. Almost every reactor was no longer um, operating. It was within about a few decades, um, a, a decade and a half, 1970, uh, sorry, I'm pulling up the date right here. It wasn't until um, 1986 that there was a concerted cleanup effort by the Department of Energy, um, Washington State, and the associated um, organizations. Um, there was tens of millions of gallons of radioactive material uh, contaminated water being pumped into the Columbia River um, every hour for years at a time. And ultimately, by the time all the reactors were decommissioned, there were 56 million gallons of radioactive material stored in just under 200 tanks, single-walled tanks, um, deep underneath the Hanford site. Um, and these tanks, uh, 177 of them, um, began to leak into... The surrounding area and into the surrounding groundwater. Um. Cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I'm just I'm real sick of the phrase leaching into the groundwater. Yeah. <laughs> it, it comes up. I know. I know. We've 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 come back from a little a little break here, but goddamn, I forgot how often that phrase comes up on this show. It's just yeah, leaching our... into the groundwater. So we're gonna we're gonna come up to some of the more modern revelations of Hanford's site at the end of the episode. But for now, let's talk about maybe why it took so long for these groups to do anything about it, or why there was maybe kind of a concerted effort from insiders to suppress the public's outrage and spread misinformation purposefully? What? No. Tyler, oh. have you ever heard of the John Birch Society? Uh. <laughs> it sounds like you... Tyler, could you explain to the people what the John Birch Society 
is. Because it's okay. still extant, and there's still members. They still put out literature. So, the Birchers. Don't even talk about who John Birch, the actual dude, was. I don't know. No, wanna, I won't. He's can't, don't even talk about him. He's, he's, he is irrelevant, like, on a scale of just him. Um, it's what the people did because of him is the problem. Um, so, in the... What was it? 60s and 70s? A bunch as early of... as the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. A, a bunch Immediately of... following World War II. So all of these people decided to get together because of some of these books that this guy John Birch wrote. Um, not John Birch. Sorry, not John Birch. So they all got together and they decided that they're like above the left-right paradigm, which, keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, so they're centrists, you know, like... No, 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 they're, no, no. They're, they're non-partisan, anti-communist fascists. Non-partisan, oh, so anti-communist fascists. Um, and they all got together, and then they all decided, hey, maybe we should reproduce. And then some of them fucked and made kids, and one of them made Alex Jones. Also, Ike Eisenhower is a member of the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're that kind of rabid fascist. Yes. Yep. They, you and, know, they uh, literally, and, that and was Birch, actually, that was how most people found out about the, Birch, the John Birch Society. The is, Birch Society shit also spawned, you know, Bill Cooper, uh, the, the, like modern day Fox News, the Oklahoma like, spews, City bombing <laughs> spews fucking Birch rhetoric still to this day. No, like They're, the John like, Birch Society Grove is, weirdos. They are like, yeah. they are the ideological like if if um you know we I know we talked about some of like the early like like radio evangelists and in terms of like the conservative like icon those guys are like the godfathers of that yeah the john birch society is like the godfather of the modern conservative movement the the same ideology the same talking points and the same tactics the same actual like rhetoric like how you have a conversation how you make talking your point. like an auctioneer and saying as many things as fast as possible Calling so everybody way, a communist so that way the person that is trying to have a conversation with you has to wade through so many different fucking points that there's no point in them even trying to rebut anything that you say yeah they they pioneered that bullshit they were the they were like the first best people yeah, to do it ben shapiro you can thank fucking john birch society yeah and so the John Birch Society had, um, the, and the John Birch Society, in essence, like on one level, that's what it is, right? It's it's a way for a bunch of suburban chuds to express their racism and anti uh, semitism uh, in a in a fun, cool way, in yeah, a fun, sexy way, in, intellectual. Well. Yeah, it's fun and sexy for them. Uh, but on another level, it also act uh, it also acted as a ratchet and political slush fund for the modern conservative movement where a lot of guys who maybe did, like definitely shared the ideology and definitely were racist and bigoted um but maybe didn't believe that like eisenhower was a communist plant um but understood that the john birch society was just in the way that malcolm x was helpful for felt helpful to the civil rights movement 
by making Martin Luther King seem like a more moderate and sensible option, the John Birch Society serves as a ratchet to make um, regular uh, austerity and regular oppression seem sensible and moderate. They make um, Dick Nixon seem like a centrist. Exactly. They're they're there to drag the country right, just as um, left leftist activists and civil rights activists were there to drag the country left. Same situation. They are they and they talk about this in the John Birch Society. They talk about they literally modeled the way they run their organization off of leftist organizations um, because of how effective they were at the period in time. Um, now. <laughs> Among these corporate donors who are interested in what the John Birch Society has to say, quite a few DuPont executives, it turns out, <laughs> wrapped up in the John Birch Society. Oh, what? You're telling me that the capital class has a vested interest in fascism? You're lying. <laughs> Business plot. Uh, so, there was a guy um, who... And, and so here, I just, from here until I'm done talking about this man, I want everything I say to be taken with, like, a shot glass full of kosher salt. Because this man, his, any, any information I give you about this guy, the only source is him. The only source is him. So I, I, I have not been able to confirm anything. There are no, I have, I have searched for weeks. I've talked about how i researched this this episode weeks ago when we had talked about recording mm -hmm. i've dug into this guy since then there's nothing i've not been able to find anything besides a picture of his fucking headstone and two recorded talks that he gave that is so it he's like so he's like fucking michael aquino the the head of the temple of set um he's not he's not nearly as much of a pedophile as far I mean, as I'm uh, aware. All right, yeah, fair. But I mean, in so much as he is uh, a, a non-entity as far as public information goes. Yeah, he was not involved in the Franklin scandal. Um. Listen, we'll talk about... Listen, I'll do a whole fucking episode about the Temple of Seth someday. We're, I'll not. fucking shoehorn that shit in here, okay? I'm sure. You <laughs> were personally offended. They didn't return my letters. Uh, so... Um, this man is named Galen Hewlett Windsor. All right, he was born in 1926. Now, Galen Hewlett Windsor claims um, that we, when he was um, a young man, because he was a teenager right before the end of World War II, so he never actually went to the war. Mm -hmm. um, he ended up going to uh, work at Hanford site in Washington, and that. Um, they paid him to get a chemistry degree there. That he got a chemistry degree, right? So he had he got a four-year chemistry degree. That's what he claims. Gotcha. Something that would be like easily traceable and have like paper. Found no record of it. Don't worry. Gotcha. About it. So no, don't worry about it. So, so no degree. Could not back that is, up at all. The man is lying about the degree. Okay. Don't worry. That's not the least of it. <laughs> It's that that is I'll I'll hey honestly I'm willing to take for granted that he has a chemistry degree. Let's put all it that right, way. All right, all right. I'm willing I'm willing to give him that. Okay. <laughs> so So this guy claims that he worked at Hanford site like basically all through the post-war era um up until it it was it began to get decommissioned um and that he worked um in a capacity 
as a laborer there, and then uh, as a security technician. With a chemistry degree? Yeah. And then that, <laughs> and then that he uh, eventually worked as a um, a senior security engineer at a different plant in San Diego. With a chemistry degree. Of course, with a chemistry I, degree. Yes, that is just the natural career progression of a man who was paid by the business that he's still working for to get a degree in something else. That's totally how businesses operate. They will pay for you to get a four-year degree and then put you on the security team because all you're good at is being a rent-a-cop. Uh, now, this guy... Um, and here's the thing. I, I, For the listeners at this point, don't Google this guy. Don't look him up. Every every single fucking link I found was just riddled with like I I sent a uh, do you guys remember that that screenshot of that Instagram post I sent that was denying the Holocaust yeah um that that guy runs a podcast that talks about Galen Windsor like oh that's great like that is the level of those are the type media. of guys who like this guy yeah it is this guy is full like. Literally, an American Nazi organization was his exclusive employer, as far as I'm aware. That's the only people I can prove paid him, is the John Birch Society. They paid this guy, um, uh, from, like... He really worked at Hanford, right? I, exactly! <laughs> they paid this guy from, like, the 70s through, uh, to, like, I want to say to, like, the late 80s is the latest video I found. Uh, for him to go around to give these talks at John Birch societies and also at like local churches and like youth groups and shit where he would talk about the scam, the nuke, as he calls it, the nuclear scare scam, um, where basically he claims that uranium and plutonium are not dangerous that gamma radiation is not nearly as dangerous as it's purported to be. He claims that at, when he worked at that second uh, place after Hanford site, um, that he swam in <laughs> the um, reactor, that he swam in the like the the actual uh, the pool, which you could do. I, was say, I think that is something it's, technically that is. If you did not feasible. swim below a certain depth. The radiation would not arc onto you; it would be contained by the water. But uh, so you'd have to float on top, and yeah. you'd actually have to intimately understand, like, you'd have to have like mapped the way the radiation was arcing within the pool to actually not like hurt yourself. That's why we got them giant fucked up catfish in the cooling towers in uh, Chernobyl. Yes, which so leads me to my second point, um, which he would go on these, like during these talks, he would fucking literally, he'd pull out what he claimed to be an operational Geiger counter, and then he would pull out a lump of what he claimed to be uranium or plutonium, mm -hmm. and he would quote unquote activate the Geiger counter, get, get, a, get a reading, and then he would make a point, he would either pull out a bottle of caffeine pills and try to make a point that caffeine pill, a bottle of caffeine pills was more fatal. Which, 
I mean, yes. In terms of onset of death, yeah, swallowing a chunk of uranium, swallowing a bunch of caffeine pills, you will die faster from the caffeine pills. For sure. That's, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, nobody's arguing that. What he's arguing is that you can do that with no ill effect. He says because uranium is not water-soluble, it is not dangerous to ingest. Um, which, if you guys remember when we talked on Al Gesellschaft about the way fucking radiation works, no. <laughs> no. You don't yeah. need the physical particles on you. That's, that's the whole point. Radiation is emitted yeah, it's it, energy. as energy and physical... So, and also in the video where he eats it, you can see that he's clearly, um, like, he's tampered with the Geiger counter. It's a, it's a fake prop because he waves it over the quote-unquote uh, radioactive material and there's a lag uh, in the reaction. Um, so it clearly, like, wasn't, tri like, timed properly mm -hmm. um, and that somebody was either playing the sound effect or he was triggering it uh, manually. I don't know how he faked it, but he clearly faked it um, mm -hmm. because he died in 2008. <laughs> so oh it, oh of what of what colin um i have not been able to find any confirmation of what he died from there was one website that claimed he died of leukemia but i could not find that was substantiated and then there was one anonymous poster that claimed in a forum to be his grandson uh or grandchild and that he died from an unrelated like stroke and it's like none of this is right this man basically didn't exist do we, do we know where he died? He He's buried in Washington. He's buried in Richland, Washington. But do we know where he died at? Because that's who's going to have his death certificate. Uh, I believe it's in Washington. Okay. I did not this, FOIA that. We, sh we should still be able to theoretically acquire a cause of death. Only if he had an autopsy. Oh, that's true, yeah. Because his family... I, I do remember reading that his family did not... Have it autopsy, an autopsy yeah. That and and I was like, okay, I can probably tell why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he was sick beforehand, they probably would ha would have hid that. Anyways, it's not relevant to the episode. Yeah, but he also said that he was the one with the most um, exposure at Hanford's site while working there, which is mm. uh, patently untrue. Yeah, <laughs> and like, again, uh, we don't even know that he worked there. And so, uh. Coming back to Hanford, away from uh, the John Birch Society and their their weird paid cutout AstroTurf campaign, through which really, honestly, honestly, what what's made me kind of latch onto this uh, story was the fact that like, oh, Galen Windsor was being paid by the John Birch Society to spread misinformation to protect like their corporate interests. Um, is Alex Jones basically does that? Like, I don't know if he's being directly paid by the John Birch Society, but in effect, materially, that's what he does. Yeah, it is just what he does. Just something, to, just food for thought. Food for thought. Um, so, as we talked about, uh, Hanford would eventually get cleaned up in the late 80s. That's when they, uh, and when I say cleaned up, I mean the process would begin. Um, it still has not been cleaned up fully to this day. We're going to get into that um, a little bit. But basically, um, <laughs> what happened was uh, 
they began the cleanup in the same way they began construction through a bunch of third-party contractors who did not have their workers' best interests at heart. Gotcha. Um, so carelessly and haphazardly, that's how they started. Exactly, and those companies would include um, names are, uh, our listeners might recognize, like uh, Bechtel. Um, Bechtel is, of course, uh, the company that um, <laughs> privatized Bolivia's water and <laughs> then increased... The price for residents by 60% during the summer of 2000. Uh, and it was only undone when the people had to violently revolt against government forces that were backing the corporate enforcement. And then Bechtel pulled out of Bolivia, uh, taking with them all like their trained technicians and all the, the water processing and treatment infrastructure. Um, so Bolivia is still in a desperate uh, water crisis up after that um and uh there's actually a um there is actually a movie about it called uh even the rain uh and it's called uh if you're if you're interested in looking up it's called the uh the the cocabamba water war uh during uh 2000 it's very uh gotcha. it's fucked up i would love to watch bolivian aaron brockovich um <laughs> among the other contractors uh at hanford site are the HPM Corporation. The HPM Corporation, um, they offer uh, occupational medical services to the Department of Energy um, and the Hanford Site contractors that work on location. Uh, these are the doctors that have been accused by many Hanford Site workers who have worked in the decades that the, uh, since the cleanup started of not informing them of the risks, downplaying their symptoms, and not telling them uh, the full extent of the damage and what that uh, entailed after exposure uh, so that they could actually seek adequate treatment and that they did understand the full gravity of their injury. Um, they didn't do that. HPM, uh, HPM Corp um, has also <laughs> been uh, in trouble recently uh, for um, <laughs> filing a, and, and receiving a fraudulent COVID-19 relief loan uh, for which they received three million, or sorry, they they received uh, quite a bit of money, uh, and they had to they received a a one point three million dollar loan, and they had to pay back uh, two point nine million dollars in restitution and penalties for stealing taxpayer money, uh, while they worked to poison and kill those very same taxpayers. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty great. Soon we're gonna have a mini fridge episode that's just the three of us taking turns reading the names of all the companies that we can prove stole your money during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, the uh basically the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act is basically exists because of um like the Trinity test site and Washington and is actually uh, purposefully written to avoid a lot of people that were affected at the Trinity test site. Uh, and this is under which, um, like, the Hanford site's being uh, taken care of, quote-unquote. Uh, the nice thing about this episode, uh, as we kind of, like, come to uh, a little bit of a close here, it's it's not a super long one, um, is that there is, like, actually something you can do about it. There is an organization called Hanford Challenge, um, which is a community watchdog uh, group that exists um, specifically to cover the cleanup of Hanford site 
consisting of Hanford uh, residents and Hanford uh, resident legacies, people whose family members and selves have been affected, uh, including people who have been working in the cleanup and people whose family worked in the refinery previously. Um, they've also, oh, one of their bones of contention uh, is um, are the, uh, the Yakima uh, indigenous folks that live there. Um, they've been super negatively impacted. Like they've seen like their cancer rates shoot through the roof and they've been pulling like mutated fish out of the Columbia river for decades now, trying to get people to pay attention. Um, so they, I do believe they have some donations and they do have a place you can volunteer. If you're interested, I'd recommend looking into it, uh, for yourself. Um, but they're, they seem to be doing a great job. Um, the only other thing I can say uh, that I found that was pretty nuts, or two other things, uh, is that in the, I, I want to say it was either the mid-60s or the mid-80s, a whale washed up on shore in Washington um, emitting gamma radiation. And scientists what? found, yes. <laughs> and whale. scientists found that it had been eating uh, plankton uh, that were feeding on algae flowing from the Columbia River. And that's why it had died. Um, and that's why it was radioactive. Um, oh. And the people who have actually been affected by radioactivity, there's there are you know thousands of them in this country, and almost none of them are getting like the compensation and the care that they deserve for the damage they were exposed to by our government and their corporate best friends. So um, I would look into uh, Hanford Challenge and other watchdog groups like them because they do some really really necessary work. Uh, and, uh, it's fun that there's just, like, wacky Nazis, like, in charge of everything still. It's pretty funny to me. The last thing I'd recommend looking at, if you, if you really want to be sad, is, um, the Chris Mars, the drummer from the band The Replacements, is also a visual artist, and he did a short film, and by short film I mean it's, like, five minutes long, uh, on YouTube, it's called In Hanford. It's very good. It's about um, the people of Hanford. Uh, I, everything in that um, is taken from like personal accounts of people from Hanford and people whose families worked in Hanford. So it's uh, it's really interesting. I'd, I'd watch it if I were you. Um, but yeah, thanks uh, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming back and listening to us after our little time away. We're gonna be oh, back yeah. next week with another episode for y'all. Thanks for popping in. Thanks yeah. for checking on us. Yeah, we love you. Kisses. Mm -hmm. uh, this is once again Ben Worst in the Industry, uh, the show where you come to listen to us talk about horrible, horrible people and the horrible, horrible things that they do and uh, talk about leaching into the groundwater. And speaking of leaching into the groundwater... The groundwater! That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to leach into the groundwater and leave you to your evening slash morning slash day. Enjoy your evening slash morning slash day. Bye bye. Bye. No clash tar. I, I can't put that into the accord. Goodbye, guys. Down in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. I could probably get a deal with coke. If I wasn't rapping about the past back, dealing dope. Got the offer and it's real low. Over one mil and it's still low. They all corporate, they all cute in suits, yeah, on bullshit with all that poop to scoop. My shit going up, I go root to roof, they don't like that, they want mute the truth. They gon' switch sides, they go group to group, they want shoot the shit, ain't got shit to shoot till I go crazy. Go and get the baby shark and hit him with the doo 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 damn. Big 
boy, you gotta shoot it with two hands. Couple John Doe come through like who's man's? Blue ball, nah, she blew it like two grams. Everyone I lose, abuse the fuse hands. I'm right there on the edge of insanity. Overlooking Vegas, overthinking my vanity. You've been throwing shade, I'm enjoying the canopy. Everybody dies, so I live out of fantasy. Yeah, can I talk my shit now? I was playing two hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you need to sit the fuck down, yeah. I don't even talk my shit now unless I got a reason. Everybody watching like Netflix got a new season. I'ma get rich, hit the dealership, get the new bands out. Bottom line, 316, like Stone Cold says so. They bury me alive, I was dead broke. I've been living in the no-flex zone. About to make a move, it's a escrow. Cooking in the kitchen, my sauce like magic. My pesto like presto. Off a little bean, that espresso. Little bit of lean, like I'm getting over chest cold. Got no chain, no, I can't chill. A-ball, got me feeling like A-mill. Can't stay still, can't feel off a pain kill. Got the little orange pill, not the day quill. They fake with it, they ain't real. They talk about bricks, but they can't build. I'm frank with it, I'm Jake Jill. I only sold gas, I'm Hank Hill. Tank filled with the propane. It's like a 10K grill, it's a throwaway. They never ask if I'm okay, I'm never okay. Everybody wanna cut, it's a dry vocal. I'm anti-love, anti-social. I'm bipolar, I'm bi-coastal. I might buy one and go postal. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit the fuck down.